0: If you like listening to my conversations with interesting people, you'll love listening to them or watching them on Nebula, the creator-owned streaming service where you can get access to these interviews early and ad-free, as well as bonus episodes from my YouTube channel, and exclusive series you can't find anywhere else. Sign up for Nebula by clicking the link in the description or go to nebula.tv slash joe to support the podcast and help promote content that matters. This video is supported by Brilliant. I used to believe in so many things. Like, I know all kids are weird and believe in weird things, like kids believe in imaginary friends and Santa and that kind of thing, but I feel like that part of myself um, got kind of turned up to 11 at times. Like, every Labor Day, they used to have the Jerry Lewis telethon where they raise money for kids with muscular dystrophy, or Jerry's kids, as they came to be known. It was basically a full day of variety acts and celebrities in-between heart-rending stories of, you know, kids with MD. And there were plenty of scare tactics and appeals to humanity with like, you know, we don't know what causes this. It can happen to anyone. It could happen to you. So one of these years when I was a kid, we had it on because there were only three channels in the world at the time. And my little still forming kid brain was watching it and was like, hmm, I think I could freak out about this. And I became convinced that the disease was all around me and was trying to get me specifically in my bed, and I decided that one half of my bed was the disease side of the bed, and that if I slept on that side of the bed, I would get the disease. So I slept entirely on one side of the bed. I wouldn't go anywhere near the other side of the bed, wouldn't touch it. It was like the floor is lava, except the bed is disease. And I remember at one point I had decided for whatever reason that the disease was now creeping up on the other side of the bed, so now it was on this side too. So I started sleeping like, like this on my side in a perfectly straight line Night after night, you know, so the disease wouldn't get me. And there was another time, many years later, there was a show called Werewolf. Uh, It was one of the very first shows on Fox when it first came out, which, by the way, was a big deal because now there were four channels in the world. And it was about a guy who was a werewolf, but it wasn't like a fun teen wolf kind of werewolf. It was like, you know, Jekyll and Hyde. Like he would transform violently into this werewolf and then freak out and kill a bunch of people. And the transformation scenes were really graphic, and he knew that he was about to turn because a bloody pentagram would form on the palm of his hand. And then he'd... And I watched this show, and I, uh... I started to worry that I was a werewolf. I should point out, I was way too old to be worried about being a werewolf. But I would have, like, full-on panic attacks where the palm of my hand would hurt. Like, I would feel it physically. I literally missed a day at school because I was freaked out about being a werewolf. And In hindsight, they were just simple panic attacks, and I know more about those now because I've had many. But something else I believed in a lot was aliens. I was so into UFOs when I was a kid. Those, those Time-Life Mysteries of the Unknown books, I collected them like Pokemon. Catch them all! I had the Whitney Stryber books. Uh, Fire in the Sky freaked me out. I was convinced that there were aliens landing and abducting people and the government was covering it up. The Men in Black were scary once upon a time. Like, it's just sort of a goofy movie franchise now, but it was like a big part of UFO lore back in the day. Also, I lived out in the country, and that's where they go so they won't be seen, so I was in a real danger of being probed. And then, somewhere along the way, I don't know, I, I changed. I became a skeptic. And a pretty insufferable one at that. Like, I'm that guy at the party. Actually, the data that's been gathered doesn't really corroborate with the source. Is it, oh, oh you, you're walking away? Yeah. So today, there's all this UFO stuff going on. There's Navy pilots recording video and the U.S. government admitting that it's real and openly investigating it. And somehow, I'm the one in conversations with my friends that's all over it. Like, how did I go from I want to believe to I don't believe it even if I've seen it? And, and what would it take to convince me? Let's shed some light on the subject, shall we? Oh, damn it. So before we get into this, let me just acknowledge that this is a story that seems to be changing and growing by the day. So by the time you see this, there's probably going to be some new information out there because of the whole, you know, forward progression of time thing. That's just to say, please forgive me for not being a time traveler. Although I may be a werewolf. I can only be one paranormal entity at a time. But yeah, the UFO thing, uh, just suddenly seems to be everywhere, and I'm as flummoxed by it as anyone. I also don't have any more information than anybody else does out there, so this is gonna be more of, like, a take on it than most of my videos, which is probably dangerous, because I've found that people have very strong opinions on this subject, and, uh, I just don't. I used to, very much so. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to be as objective on this, as I possibly can, and I don't know, maybe somewhere along the way I'll figure it out what changed my mind on this so much. This whole video is basically me riding a tightrope on a unicycle over Niagara Falls. Blindfolded. But let's start with what we know. In December of last year, Congress passed an omnibus spending bill that included a coronavirus relief package, but nestled in there was a stipulation requiring that the Department of Defense, specifically the Director of National Intelligence, to present an unclassified report on UFOs to Congress within six months. And just saying that out loud is bonkers. So they have until the end of June to present this report, uh, which again, may already be out by the time you see this, because I'm really good at timing things. In today's Live Kinetoscope, we're going to talk about the glorious post-war future of the Lincoln Presidency and all the connections of... Oh, wait, i just got to just telegraph. Hang on, let me look at this. That's the danger of a live kinetoscope, right? <laughs> mm. Though I think we can expect to be underwhelmed because some early reports have said that it doesn't say that these craft are not of this earth, but they also don't really know exactly what they are? That'll put an end to the speculation. The current UFO craze kind of began in 2017, with an article in the New York Times that revealed the existence of a secret Pentagon operation called the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or AATIP. And along with this article, they released some leaked footage of unidentified objects by Navy pilots. But where it really gets interesting is what happened next. The military confirmed that those videos were real. I mean, in the past they would have just said that it was light from Venus bouncing off a weather balloon and some guys in suits would have visited the pilots and the reporter and they would have never been seen again. So this is new. But the current story goes back to 2007, when ATIP was created with $22 million in funding by a bipartisan group of senators including Harry Reid, Ted Stevens, and Daniel Inouye. In fact, John Glenn pushed for the creation of this agency because he kept hearing from service members who were seeing things that they can't explain but didn't feel comfortable speaking out about it. Luisa Lozando directed the program beginning in 2010. Before that, he spent 20 years running military intelligence operations around the world, and his background led him to focus on the national security issues of UAPs. Imagine a technology that can do six to seven hundred G-forces, that can fly at 13,000 miles an hour, that uh, it can evade radar, and that can fly through air and water and possibly space, and oh, by the way, has no obvious signs of propulsion, no wings, no control surfaces, and yet still can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. That's precisely what we're seeing. Avionic and intelligence experts, electro-optical engineers, and scientists all worked for ATIP. They reviewed data and records and analyzed videos, especially those filmed by military personnel. The funding for the program ran out in 2012, but Elizondo and a few colleagues continued with it until he quit in 2017. He claimed that the program's efforts were not being taken seriously by government officials. Before he left, though, Elizondo got three videos declassified. These were the ones in the New York Times report. And he got some help from Christopher Mellon, who served as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence under Clinton and George W. Bush. Christopher Mellon claimed that he did this because he thought that once you got the public involved, then Congress would finally take action. In other words, he was right. In fact, the program got resurrected in August of 2020 under the name Unidentified Aerial Phenomena Task Force. The three declassified videos and the ones that the Pentagon declared were authentic were called FLIR-1, Gimbal, and GO-FAST. All three videos were shot using the advanced targeting forward-looking infrared or ATFLIR pods attached to the aircraft. So, what do they show? In November 2004, the USS Nimitz was conducting training missions about 100 miles southwest of San Diego. A nearby ship, the USS Princeton, picked up, quote, "...multiple anomalous aerial vehicles as it scanned the horizon for about a week on its advanced new radar system." The radar operators reported that the UAPs would descend 80,000 feet in less than a second. Two fighter pilots, Commander David Fravor and Lieutenant Alex Dietrich, along with their weapons system officers in the back seats, flew from the Nimitz to investigate. Fravor is a graduate of the Top Gun Naval Flight School and has 18 years of military experience. Dietrich served in the Iraqi war and the war in Afghanistan and has logged more than 1,250 hours during her missions. Once they arrived at the site, all four pilots saw turbulent white water the size of a 737 beneath them. The rest of the ocean was calm. Then they saw what Fravor described as a tic-tac-shaped object moving through the whitewater area. The object was pointing north-south. Fravor flew in for a closer look and the object turned abruptly and began to mirror his movements. Fravor told 60 Minutes that the object was aware the Navy pilots were there. He said the object was about the size of his F-A-18F, but with no markings, wings, or exhaust plumes. It was basically flying with no known method of propulsion. As he flew in closer, the object kept climbing in altitude until it was directly in front of him. Then it just disappeared. The Princeton, just seconds later, picked it up on radar 60 miles away. The pilots filed reports about the incident, but Dietrich didn't come out publicly about it until her 60 Minutes interview. From summer 2014 to March 2015, fighter pilots based on the USS Theodore Roosevelt reported several almost daily UAP incidents off the coast of Virginia and Florida. During one encounter, a silver object passed within a thousand feet of two flying jets. One of the pilots described the object as looking like a spear encased in a cube. Lieutenant Ryan Graves, a former Navy pilot, told 60 Minutes that his squadron started to see UAPs southwest of Virginia Beach when the military updated their jet's radar. The objects were said to quickly accelerate and slow down before hitting hypersonic speeds. People have seen strange stuff in military aircraft for decades, Graves told the New York Times in 2019. We're doing this very complex mission to go from 30,000 feet diving down. It would be a pretty big deal to have something up there. But he said the objects consistently appeared at many different altitudes, from 30,000 feet all the way down to sea level, often making instantaneous turns or sudden stops. And recently, a slew of new clips have been released, mostly by filmmaker Jeremy Corbell, including one that shows UAPs swarming the USS Omaha in the Pacific Ocean in July of 2019. Before releasing that footage, Corbell shared a video from the same ship that showed a UAP hovering and disappearing into the ocean. He also released footage taken from the deck of the USS Russell in 2019 that shows several triangle-shaped UAPs hovering above the ship. The Pentagon confirmed that the footage of the disappearing UAP and the triangle-shaped ones are authentic and are being investigated by the UAP task force. UFO stories obviously go back a long way. A lot of people credit Roswell as the first big UFO story, but they actually go back... There was one in Texas in 1897 that I should probably do a, a story about eventually. But what we're seeing now isn't a bunch of yokels saying that aliens probe their butts or batted around their knockers. Look, it was my worst Wednesday night. <laughs> These are trained Navy pilots with actual footage that's been authenticated by the Department of Defense. This just has a bit more of an air of legitimacy to it. And yet, here I am with the cold water. Deuxième partie. Moon landing deniers love to point at pictures like this and claim that it's proof that we didn't actually land on the moon because you don't see any stars in the background. Whereas anybody who's actually spent any time with a camera can tell you that it's just a simple matter of exposure. There's only so much range of brightness that a camera can expose for, especially film stock, which is what they used back in the Apollo era. So you have to decide what you want to expose the film for. In the case of this photo, they wanted to see what was on the moon, which was really bright. It was literally reflecting direct sunlight. When exposed for that brightness level, the stars were just too faint to show up. If they wanted to see the stars, they could have adjusted the exposure, but then the moon would have looked like this. The stars were in there in the original photo, just the camera wasn't exposed for it. In fact, just try to take a zoomed-in photo of a full moon, and you'll see that, like, it's really hard to get the stars in there as well. This is just to say that a picture or a video might be worth a thousand words, but those words are not always the truth. Depending on how you use the camera, you can get very different results. With that in mind, these videos, as fantastic as they may seem, may have plausible explanations. The first one I have to point out is this night vision footage of these pyramid shapes in the sky, which, again, anybody with some experience with a camera can tell you about the bokeh effect, in which a point of light that's out of focus can take the shape of the iris in the camera. If you have a hexagonal iris, you get hexagonal blurs. You see these all the time. If you have a special star-shaped iris on a lens, you get stars. If you have a heart-shaped iris, you get hearts. And if you have a night-vision camera with a triangular-shaped iris, you get triangles. And when that triangle just happens to blink in the exact same cadence as the navigation lights on a 747, then you may have just captured evidence that the Earth is being invaded by JetBlue. And then there's the Go Fast video, which can be explained pretty simply with the parallax effect. Again, fairly basic camera stuff, if you zoom way in on an object or a person and then move the camera in a perpendicular direction, it'll look as if the background is moving really fast behind that person. And the more distance there is between that person and the background, the faster the background will appear to move. So while it looks like this object is screaming across the surface of the water, you gotta keep in mind that the camera is moving too. In fact, according to the data on the screen of this video, it's moving at 255 knots, which is about 300 miles an hour. If this object, whatever it is, happened to be somewhere halfway between the ocean surface and the plane, and the camera was zoomed in far enough, then yeah, it would look like the ground was passing really quickly underneath it. And according to this video by Mick West, that's exactly what the data on screen shows. The plane's at 25,000 feet, the camera's zoomed in to a narrow field of view, and the range between the plane and the object is three to four nautical miles. It changes as the plane moves. When you factor in the angles, this puts it at about 13,000 feet. Pretty much halfway in between and he was able to do the trigonometry and factor in speed vectoring and all that kind of stuff and was able to figure out that this object whatever it is is moving at about 20 to 30 knots so basically wind speed it's literally something just floating and being carried by the breeze he speculates that it's a weather balloon i'm having trouble with that because it just seems too cliche and i have heard and Yes, this is one of those I heard a guy say things, so take it with a grain of salt, but I've heard that these things actually happen pretty regularly around cruise ship routes because mylar balloons from birthday parties and celebrations, whatever, that are on the cruise ships can fly away and escape, and to somebody flying around out there, it could look very suspicious. And this did take place off the coast of Florida. Whether mylar balloons can reflect radar or what they look like in infrared, I don't know. Again, big grain of salt on that point, okay? And last but very not least is the gimbal video, which seems to show an object rotating in the air. This has become a whole thing. The debate hinges around the derotation mechanism in the at system. Put very basically, if you are flying around and you need to be able to lock on something, you need a camera that can swivel in 360 degrees so that it can capture from every angle. But a camera that's rotating and swiveling on a display would have everything being flipped around all over the place and you don't want that to happen, so they have a derotation mechanism on there to keep everything stable. It's image stabilization, basically. So yeah, this rotating object was captured on a camera that rotates. And while the camera is designed to keep the image still, any kind of lens flare or glare that occurs inside the camera housing would still rotate along with it. There are a few videos that showed this just by shooting a light with a camera and then rotating the camera and then stabilizing that image later in post-production, and you get pretty much the same effect. This is really easy to duplicate. You can try it yourself. Now, I say this has become a whole thing because Jeremy Corbell interviewed an ATFLIR expert named John Earhart, who claimed that that wouldn't explain the rotation that we see in this video, but then Mick West countered with this other big long video. I'll link all of them down in the description. And there was also this History Channel special where a couple of Navy pilots, Lieutenant Graves and Aucoin, uh, both claimed that that rotation is not something you normally see with the ATFLIR system. And that was on the History Channel, so you know the credibility is spotless. But for me, honestly, all you have to do is look at the clouds in the background to see that there is something going on with the camera here. Like just take away the object and try to guess when in the video it rotates. See it? There is clearly a bump or a distortion in the clouds, they wiggle a little, the camera has moved or adjusted in some way. Bring the object back in, and you can see it's rotating at the exact moment that the clouds wiggle in the frame. So the options are: this object has the ability to warp the space around it, which admittedly would be really cool, or the camera rotated. At some point, Occam's razor has to kick in here. Okay, now there is another piece of the video worth discussing, and that is the sound. Dude, is going on, bro? There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the SA. Oh my gosh. Going against the wind. The wind's 120 miles to the west. Look at that thing, dude. That's not our LNS, though, is it? It's not. I An it's our LNS, dude. Well, if there's a a thing, thing, it's rotating. Okay, so there's a few things here. One is that they say on there that there's a whole fleet of them, although the video only shows one. Uh, One is that they claim that it's flying against the wind in an unnatural way. And then, of course, they're really surprised by the rotation of it. (laughs) Ha! Explain that, smart guy. Well, we don't know who these pilots are. They've never come forward. Their names have not been released. Um, they were on a training mission. Were they experienced pilots? Had they done this kind of thing before? Was this their first time using this Flare system? And I'm just gonna put it out there, I'm just gonna ask... Is this the actual audio? I mean, that could have been faked and added later. I'm just saying there's ambiguity there. Now another thing that would help is if any of these videos were shot with visible light. These are all infrared videos. This is a visual representation of temperature differences. This is not a visual image. Things often look very different in infrared video than they do in visible light. In this case, they're blobs. They're blobs that you can literally interpret in any way that you want. Like we're being told that this is the tic-tac craft that we keep hearing about, and they are oblong shaped, uh, granted, but I mean some people have been able to recreate this by pointing an infrared camera at the jet plumes of fighter jets. We actually don't have any photographic evidence of these tic-tacs in the visual spectrum. I would love to see an actual photograph of these things. Anyway, those three videos are the ones that got so much attention, and this is why, for me personally, um, as much as I would love for it to be real, it just, it just doesn't seal the deal for me. Now, UFO enthusiasts, I'm sure, are pounding their fingers to a bloody pulp on the keyboard in the comments section, refuting everything that I'm saying here. Let me just help you out with that. Um, And by the way, put, put some band-aids on those fingers. You don't want to get infected. In no way am I claiming to know more about this military hardware than the experienced pilots that recorded these videos. That would be the height of arrogance for me to assume something like that. I am not doing that. I am only applying my own basic camera knowledge and the experience that I've had working with cameras over the last 20 or so years. And I'm also borrowing stuff from other people because they've already done all the work and I'm lazy. And besides all that, it's, it's not just about the videos. There are other questions that I have. Troisième partie. There's an old joke where a guy says, hey, honey, there's a Bigfoot in our front yard. Quick, grab the worst camera you can possibly find. I find myself thinking about that a lot when I look at these videos. The issue of whether or not intelligent life exists in the universe is just such a big question. So much about our understanding and our belief about the cosmos and our place in it and who we are would be instantly redefined at the first proof of intelligent extraterrestrial life. It's just such a big burden of proof here you just can't hinge all of that on a blurry pixelated rotating sombrero. So when people send me videos like this and they're like, what more proof do you need? How about a clear photograph? Can we just start with a clear photograph? There's a story I heard from a buddy of mine who um, had a friend who was in military intelligence and he had access to spy satellites and he was talking about how one year he and his his co-workers watched the Super Bowl from one of the spy satellites. And of course they couldn't hear any of the commentary or anything, but they could still tell what was going on because they could read the names on the backs of these players' jerseys. From space. But after seeing these objects, quote, every day for two years, this is the best image they can come up with? Why is every video in infrared or radar? Where's the high-def visual footage? You know, like my phone could capture. Now, when I've said that amongst friends, I've been told that they actually do have high-def, uh, visual footage of all of this, but they're keeping that classified, they're not releasing that to the public, they're- they're hiding it somewhere. Now, for a lot of people, it's not the videos themselves that are so compelling, it's the fact that the eyewitness reports are coming from military personnel. And I admit, that is compelling, and that does make this a lot more interesting than a lot of the stuff that we've seen back in the past, but there's a reason why eyewitness testimony always takes second place to actual physical evidence in a courtroom. Eyewitness testimony is unreliable. Our memories and our senses lie to us all the time, and we have unconscious biases. Eyewitness testimony all comes down to whether or not you believe that person to be trustworthy. And I know it's, it's, it's starting to sound like I'm questioning the trustworthiness of these experienced military personnel that have come out with these eyewitness accounts. That is not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to slander their names in any way. I have nothing against them. I don't know what their motives are. But by the same token, I don't know what their motives are. You know, we, we have to be honest about the fact that there might be a profit motive here. Books, TV appearances, speaking engagements. I mean, I looked at a lot of videos and, and articles about this, and I kind of saw the same people being referenced over and over again. I mean, it's sort of alluded to in some of these interviews that there were a lot of people in the military that saw this, but where are they? Uh, where are their eyewitness accounts? I would want to see that. So what more proof do I need? I mean... <laughs> a compiled list of hundreds of people listing their experiences would go a long way. I'm just saying, the existence of intelligent extraterrestrial life or an advanced gravity drive should have more testimonials on it than the yodeling pickle on Amazon. To be fair, it is Amazon's choice, yodeling pickle. And by the way, I don't doubt that they're out there. I mean, like I said before, John Glenn pushed to start this agency because he kept hearing so many stories from service members. And I don't know, maybe this new UAP task force will do exactly that. And if they do, that would make a difference to me. Because the fact of the matter is, I want this to be true, okay? (laughs) Even if I have been an insufferable skeptic in this video. You know how amazing it would be to actually experience the first contact with an extraterrestrial species? Of course I want this to be true! Or, if it's not extraterrestrial, maybe it's some advanced gravity manipulation device from some other country, or some hidden agency here in the U.S., or maybe even a private entity. Maybe this is what Blue Origin's been up to all this time. But whoever did it, if it exists, it would change everything. So yes, of course I want this to be true. But the argument has to be bulletproof. As long as there is any potential normal explanation for these things, it has to take precedence. Look, is it a possibility that it's aliens? Of course it's a possibility. Is it more of a possibility that it's just some mundane thing? Infinitely so. I mentioned before that once upon a time I was in a ghost hunting group, and um, while various members of the group had different levels of woo-woo about them, one thing that I liked about the group was that whenever we went on an investigation, afterwards we would all sit around and and look at whatever interesting thing we might have found, and we shot holes in it. We would try to find rational explanations for everything that we found, because if you're going to claim to have found something extraordinary, you have to first eliminate everything that's ordinary. And I'm just trying to apply that rationale to this situation. Did I mention how fun I am at parties? Where are you you going? So this new task force is going to continue to look into these claims, and you know what? Fine. Good. Please, investigate this. I want better evidence than this. I mean, look, I agree with SETI searching for extraterrestrial life out in the cosmos. I might as well support the search for it right here at home. I will say that when people were first uh, reporting these stories and describing the Tic Tacs, I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, for years, we've been hearing alien spacecraft described as as saucer shaped or cigar shaped or angular with lights and whatnot, but a but a tic-tac? Like that's just too weird for somebody to just come up with. By the way, the Tic Tac company has to be taking advantage of this with their marketing in some way. I mean this this is a marketing wet dream just dropped into their lap. Actually, maybe they are. Let me let me check their Twitter page. Stunningly they're not saying anything about hold on a second. Is this What's great about jazz is the fact that due to improvisation, it's always fresh. Just like Tic Tac. Some of them remain fresh even dozens of times. What's your absolute favorite book? I guess it's for World Book Day. It's time for a daily portion of the Vitamin Sun. Oh, come on, you're not even trying. Actually, they're not even posting. Actually, this is kind of, this is kind of interesting. Like, they, they were posting daily, pretty much daily, until April 30th, and they haven't posted anything since then. What, what happened to the guys at Tic Tac? This means something. Anyway, I know the comments on this are going to be lively. Uh, Please don't send me death threats. If you disagree with my perspective on this, and I know many of you will, or if you feel like there's something that I missed, or there's some evidence that you feel is more compelling, please do share it. Like I said, I, I want better evidence. And are you one of the many unnamed people that have seen one of these Tic Tacs? Please share your experience in the comments below. let me just put the question out there. Have you ever been kidnapped by aliens? You know, the whole waking up in an alien spaceship on the other side of the galaxy, so you have to murder all the crew and then find a way to navigate your way back to Earth? You know, that thing? If not, consider yourself lucky. But just to be safe, you might want to take the astrophysics course from Brilliant. As the saying goes, if you fail to plan, you flan in a pail. That's how it goes. Brilliant's astrophysics course is 30 interactive quizzes, featuring 310 concepts and exercises covering everything from exoplanets, stellar physics, black holes, dark matter, how gravity works, and even covers how the universe will end. Just in case you're in that alien spaceship for a very, very, very long time. And that's just the start, because Brilliant has more than 60 courses covering everything from quantum mechanics, applied science, even search engines and neural networks, and they cover them at all levels of expertise, so if you're super rusty on math, just start at the fundamentals of math class and go up from there. What I really like most about Brilliant is that you learn by problem-solving, which kind of hacks your brain's natural learning skills so you can learn it in a way that makes most sense to you, and you can apply that to other areas of your life. And if you want to get a taste of what I'm talking about, they have free daily brain teasers, and you can do the first section of any of their courses for free, so you can see what they're all about. But if you do sign up for the premium subscription that gives you access to all their courses, and you're one of the first 200 people to sign up from this video, you'll get 20% off of your subscription. Just go to brilliant.org slash answers with Joe. Link is down in the description. All right, thanks to Brilliant for sponsoring this video, and a huge shout out to the answer files on Patreon and the members who are supporting this community. Uh, being just really cool people in helping me to, to grow a team and all that kind of stuff. I want to shout out some members that have joined really quickly. We've got, uh, Stephen Nancarrow, uh, Mark Johnson, Karen Salapurin, <laughs> Makeshift Apollo, Kyle Loney, John Stewart, John Stewart, uh, Who Cares, Cameron Miller, Julian Robert LeCado, Need to Know Basis, Andre Pratt, Wreckage Writer, Venetrons, and Kathy Nabola. Thank you guys so much. If you would like to join them and get early access to videos, access to exclusive live streams, and get to have little badges next to your name and uh, sort of uh, exclusive perks in the comments and whatnot, you can just click the little join button right below this video. So please do like and share this video if you liked it. And if this is your first time here, Google thinks you might like this one, so you might want to click on that or any of the others with my face on them down below. And, And yeah, if you like them, please do subscribe. I come back with videos every Monday. All right, that's it for now. You guys go out there, have an eye-opening week, stay safe, and I will see you next Monday. Love you guys, take care.